Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. Well, first, one of the issues of the next two weeks as the Federal Parliament tries to get through before the end of the year, wind up, get themselves in shape for the next federal election and maybe get some issues, some contentious issues out of the way. But there is every possibility that they'll get this next issue wrong. And that is the issue of religious freedom, or to put it a better way, the right of Christian schools and churches to teach the doctrines of their faith without being taken to the courts for spurious reasons. You know that this issue blew up during the by-election campaign in Wentworth, this issue about whether schools wanted to expel kids who were gay because they were gay. Now, as uh, Christian Schools Australia has said on a number of occasions, that was a lie. There never has been that policy. Schools are not seeking to have that right. And yet on the back of the, well, misunderstanding of that one way or another, suddenly a lot of people have leapt onto the issue and focused on a thing that has always been the case, that schools do have the right to employ teachers who live by and can teach the doctrines and values and tenets of their faith when it comes to a range of issues, including this issue of morality and sexuality. The Greens have opportunistically put into the Parliament an amendment. It's going through the Federal Parliament at the moment. And in the last few days... Uh, a range of people appeared before a Senate committee, uh, a committee that was looking into this Greens amendment and, and related issues, the issue of whether schools are able to live out the values of their faith in both their employment policies and also, shall I say, the discipline policies of the school. You know, schools have argued, as I've said, that they never sought the right to expel students on the basis of their sexuality alone. And when it does come to teachers, they have always had, in one form or another, in states and in the Commonwealth, the right to say no to the employment of people who don't support the school's teachings, either because they're not a member of the religion or, and I suppose this is the contentious part, that they don't live in a manner that would be consistent with the teachings and the doctrines of that religion. And here's the frustrating part. In most media, the phrase religious freedom has become a synonym for the freedom to discriminate against gay people. Now, that is not what religious freedom means, and it's not what churches and schools are asking for. That leads to a simplistic catchphrase, simplistic catchphrase politics of people, I hate to say this, but people like Bill Shorten, who understands this issue but chooses still to simply say, well, we're just going to remove discrimination. We're just going to remove discrimination. It is not helpful to getting a well-ordered society that recognises some of these very important aspects of what it is to be a civil society, things that have applied for centuries. There is very little effort or attention given these days to establish um, why this question arises for people to open their minds to what churches are actually saying. But religious freedom, the right to hold and teach and live by your religious convictions is as important to human society as the right to liberty or the right to free speech, both of which, of course, it's completely aligned with. So let's talk that through tonight with Mark Sneddon. Now, you may remember Mark. We've spoken with him before. Mark's a lawyer in Victoria. He's the executive director of the Institute for Civil Society. And I asked Mark Sneddon to describe how the Christian school issues focused on such narrow issues in the media, um, actually fit within a much bigger umbrella of our general religious freedom rights. This particular issue is how does 
a group of religious people who want their children educated in accordance with the tenets of their religion, which is one aspect of religious freedom. It's in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the right of parents to have their children educated in accordance with the religious and moral values of the family. And all states which sign up to the ICCPR, like Australia, have to ensure that. So we've got to ask if we're going to make the sort of changes that are being proposed, how we are going to continue to ensure to uphold that right. Um, But that's one aspect of religious freedom. Um, and the other, there are many other aspects that they are the right to manifest your belief in worship, practice and teaching, both individually and commun- in community with others, uh, and to have and to hold and to change your religious belief without uh, sanction or coercion by the state. What, what's interesting about all of that is that while the argument commenced around the issue of schools and their rights to employ staff who... Um, share their faith and can genuinely live by the teachings of the faith mm. and also to take make decisions about s- student discipline matters if, if a student or uh, others are acting out against the ethos of the school. While it started with the school argument, the Institute for Civil Society, your, your organisation, has argued that, in fact, if the Greens get their way and their amendments go through or if the government takes the wrong decision to the parliament, um, you could end up affecting teaching from the pulpit uh, the dissemination of articles by clergy and others, even the issue about who gets to be a clergy. Yeah, you're spot on, Stephen. So if I can just trace where this has gone way off the rails, we had uh, an expert panel set up to look into the issue of religious freedom. Five you know, well-qualified people. They received 16,500 submissions. They've got a detailed report. We haven't seen the report. We've seen 20 leaked recommendations. When the 20 recommendations came out, some people seized on two of them, which are about discrimination in schools in respect of in religious schools in respect of staff and students. The recommendations actually said we should continue with the existing balance in the law and the existing freedoms of schools, but there was concerted media blitz to say, No, 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 that's unfair and unreasonable, let's get rid of it. And I think the Prime Minister said in a very limited way, he said, Well, I don't think any school should be able to expel a student because they're gay. Now, as as we've said, I don't think that actually happens. That's a furphy. But he said, the "I'm schools happy." Schools weren't asking for that, right? That's not something they were seeking. No, no they've mm. ne- never been asked for, and and as far as I know, never, never, never tried to exercise it. Um, so he said he'd do that. That was immediately then misinterpreted by advocates for curtailing religious freedom, as the prime minister has said, schools shouldn't be able to discriminate against anyone on the grounds of sexuality. Well, he didn't say that. He said not expel, and otherwise we'll look at the Ruddock for review. Um, so we now have, in, in as you've pointed out, the last few weeks, we have this very strange system of policy on the run. We have an expert report, 16,500 submissions, months of consideration. We haven't had it released, but other people are saying, don't worry about that. Forget that report. We don't need to see it. We just know this is wrong and we need to change the law right now without reading the report and and in opposition to the recommendations of that report. So we get one of the things, we've got two things out of it so far. One is the Greens Bill in the Senate, which is called the Discrimination Free Schools Bill, and I'll talk about that in a moment. And the other is the ACT government, both Labor and Greens Coalition, have produced a bill to amend their Discrimination Act to reduce the freedom of religious schools and the ACT to operate. Now, coming to the questions you asked me, which I am doing, the Greens bill in the Senate, the Discrimination-Free Schools Bill, does what we've described 
which is to take away the freedom of religious schools to um, in, set an ethos for both teachers and students. But it pitches this change much more broadly and it takes away the ability of any religious body in connection with any act or practice of teaching or education to discriminate. And that may at some stage be extended by a court, by an administrative decision, by whatever, to include teaching about the faith. For instance, going to a theological college. Or what do we do on Sundays? We learn because we're taught from the Bible. It could include sermons. You're, you're exactly right. And I don't think you need a court to extend it because it simply says any act or practice in connection with teaching by any religious body. So if a religious body, be it a church or a mosque or a synagogue, conducts, well, in the Christian language it would be Sunday school, but you know any other form of a child instruction in the faith, mm. what is that if it's not education or training? Mm. Mm. Uh, and what is a sermon, which is a Bible series, on what does the Bible or the Quran have to say about marriage and family, if it's not education. Yeah, and the point about all of that is you might say, oh, look, you know, judges are pretty wise people. They'd, they'd throw that out. Well, they may or may not. In fact, there are cases where they've embraced arguments of that kind. But the point of the matter is, and this is what we always used to say when I was advocating um, for the school movement to government, why would you want to set up a world in which there was conflict from the start? You, you, you're opening people up to having a go and not having a go because for, for good reasons, having a go because they are antithetical to, basically fundamentally opposed to your right to hold a religious conviction. That, that's, it. that's exactly right. And look, just to be um, make it sort of more concrete for your listeners, um, Stephen, the, the Greens bill says that you can't, a religious body can't discriminate on the basis of gender, sexual orientation or relationship status in relation to who can attend any training or education given by the religious body, uh, the manner in which the religious body provides the training. So that would be, for example, I'm providing this training by looking at what the Bible or the Quran has to say about male-female relationships, the nature of marriage and where sexual relations can occur. Well, that's going to give you an entirely different view to what the modern, you know, sort of liberal view on sexuality is. Now, if that if that's the problem, if that if that's the manner, that manner working from the Bible will be discriminatory, mm. and simply teaching that stuff in Sunday school or to your youth group or from the sermon uh, will be uh, actionable discrimination under this Greens bill. Well, our guest is Mark Sneddon. He's the executive. Director, Executive Officer of Institute for Civil Society. And we're talking about, I think, a crossroads for our society. Mark, at the end of the day, to be free from discrimination of any kind is an unachievable objective, isn't it? I'm not saying that we should vilify, that we should act other than in, in every way out of love for our fellow human beings, but to discriminate, to make a choice, and even to hold certain things to be true and certain moral stances to be true, that's part of human life, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yes, it is. And the, uh, the, the conflict arises where you have um, a fundamental difference in values over issues of morality or uh, philosophy or something like that. And, it's, it's, and, that, and if that is deeply held, those different views, and they, they flow into your behaviour and the way you organise your life and your community, then you have people and different communities 
holding and expressing and living out different values. And broadly, the issue in our society is do we live and let live and say, you are free to live your life in accordance with your lights, that is your best perception of what is what is right and true, but so am I. And we should leave each other alone to do that as much as possible. Obviously, we wouldn't want to count violence or something like that. But not. we don't need a situation where we have more and more legal rights created where one group can come and try to intrude on the freedom of other groups to live life in accordance with their values and beliefs, be they religious or otherwise. That's right. Now, as you've rightly said, nobody um, would reasonably argue, no one should argue that they should have the right to do harm to others. That would be completely wrong and yes. transgress other other types of morality that we hold to be true and dear. But I suppose there's a grey area, isn't there? And I, I, I'm, I'm very alive to this. Um, I understand, having spoken with people concerned, um, that to hear a teaching that went to the core of their sense of self-worth mm-hmm. Especially if it's a if it's a difficult teaching, if it's a you know the Bible favors marriage between a man and a woman, not marriage between men and men or women and women. If that is going to the core of your being as a person, you will feel injured. It may have a a bad effect on you, and it may cause you mental health issues of all kinds. So, firstly, do you accept that that is a harm? Um, well, uh, I accept that it's a harm in the sense it's an emotional harm to be offended by someone else's views which uh, strike at something which is deep to your personhood, be that a religious belief or a sexual orientation or something else. Yes, it's it's hurtful without a doubt. Um, I, however, well, two things. I, I take the view that it is impossible in a pluralist democracy to avoid such harms. That is to say, it is impossible for a religious person not to be offended in watching the television or listening to other people to hear them describe their religious views as talking to imaginary friends and as antediluvian nonsense. Yes, and Uh, you'll hear someone like Peter Fitzsimon says that all the time in public, um, and I take offence when he says that, but, you know, what can I I do about it? I'm just going to take it on the chin. I think part of living in... Um, and, 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 and to keep extrapolating that, if you're a young person and your faith is under formation and you're feeling a little uncertain, that could have some harms on your sense of self and, and maybe, I hope not, your mental health. Mm. Equally, on the other side, if your uh, sexuality is uh, still being formed and you think you might be same-sex attracted and someone tells you that that is, in terms of their um, uh, religious worldview, wrong or sinful, something like that, then that will be hurtful. And I understand all of that. I think the the, the offence or the possibility of offence and hurt which arises from having different, fundamentally different uh, and foundational worldviews in different groups in our society is unavoidable. The best we can do is try to act in a civil manner towards each other and express our opinions in as peaceable and as gentle and as constructive a way as possible, and where necessary, walk away. Another aspect is not to have one view forced upon people who don't want to hear it or require people to be silent within their own community. So so what you might do in the public square is have you know, less 
um, less scope for conflict where you can, and certainly civil discourse rather than hmm. than nasty discourse. But where people have formed their own voluntary associations, so you've got the gay men's health group over there. I don't think you intrude, um, you know, high, you know, Muslim or conservative Christian religious views into that group hmm. and tell them they're all going to hell. Hmm. And when you've got a conservative Muslim or Christian group over here, I don't think you intrude into that group. Um, you know the, the the philosophy of of say the gay men's health group, which is to say that you know gay is great and and so healthy lifestyle is entirely valid and all the rest of it. That's just throwing kerosene on on fire. I think you leave our individual voluntary associations alone to follow their own lights. And that, over the years, has been a legitimate way of constructing civil discourse and civil society itself. And that's the preoccupation of your organisation, the Institute for Civil Society. So, Mark Sneddon, what do you believe, as a lawyer, um, is a potential resolution to this seemingly irreconcilable position that we seem to have got ourselves into? Is there a way of constructing the law so that schools, religious organisations can teach and hold their own ethos, and others can be um, also allowed to live their own lives in their own way? Uh, I think there are, Stephen, and we've put some of these in our submissions to different uh, committees and panels over the years, but let, let me take a couple. So on the, on the very specific issue of religious schools and discrimination, uh, I think perhaps the way forward here is to say, even take it out of the idea of this being an exception to discrimination law and say, regardless of the discrimination point, um, let's give schools, religious schools, the ability to set hiring and behavioural standards for students which uphold the ethos of the school. So they say that certain behaviours, such as actively protesting against you know, whatever the religious The teachings belief, of the church or whatever. The teachings of the church or whatever are, are not acceptable and will be subject to discipline. Hmm. But that does not go so far as to say that the simple fact that you are same-sex attracted is... It means means that you can be, you know, treated less less favourably. So it's not... Well, that, that does resolve... Let's just dwell on that for a moment. That resolves this tension about I am being rejected, me personally, my identity, yeah. to... Um, I'm not being rejected, but there is a teaching that um, th there's a teaching about uh, th this sexual behaviour, which is contrary to my understanding. Uh, let's agree to walk away at that point and say, "Well, your teaching is different from my expression." Yes, or, or alternatively, while I am in this community, while I'm in your mm. territory, that is your religious school, um, I will um, I will comply with your. You, you know your behavioural standards about not. Um, well, I, I might disagree. I, I may well disagree and have a great discussion yeah. about that in the pastoral care class. But I'm not going to picket, act out my anger, do any number of things which would norm normally be a matter for discipline. The same thing goes to teachers, which is a bit harder. Um, yeah. I'm not going to walk into a, a religious instruction class and teach something that's contrary to the teachings of the church. I don't have the absolute right to do that. I'm employed by a church organisation. Co correct. And so I think it, it's almost a, an issue of respect. If you're, on, uh, if you're on the turf of someone that you disagree with, it's a, their voluntary association, you're employed there or you're a student there, mm. then you need to comply with you know, the reasonable requirements of that organisation, which to maintain that organisation's ethos. And I would say uh, it would be the same if I went to 
the gay men's health, you know, symposium or something like that. It would be not not right for me to be standing up or whoever to be standing up and taking a completely contrary view on on religious grounds in that type of uh, and trying to undermine it. Not not to be an employee there and try to actively undermine it, etc. So I think that that's the way forward if we can do that with the schools issue. On some of these other issues, I think there are ways forward. For example, the issue about um, uh, you know, the vilification, the use of the anti-vilification laws against Bishop Porteous and a couple of other preachers who uh, said that um, just they preach standard conservative Christian teaching that uh, the Bible uh, says homosexuality is a sin and marriage is for man and woman, that sort of thing, uh, and they were taken to task before the anti-vilification tribunal in Tasmania. I think you just need to change the laws on vilification to say it is not actionable vilification if you express a view about the morality or propriety of someone else's conduct, which is based on genuine religious conviction, and, and this is the very important part, and in doing so, you do not threaten or incite hatred or violence against any personal group. So it's, it, it, you then focus that law on the mode of expression hmm. rather than on the idea being expressed. Well, what hope, Mark Sneddon, do you have that um, our politicians will be clever enough uh, and withstand political pressure enough to come out with a, uh, a sensible solution like that? Uh, uh, well, in the current environment, not a great deal, but I think uh, I think we're in for a well. Either either we have a miraculous. Uh, opportunity now. Well, I know that the Christian school movement is being asked to, for, to a day of prayer tomorrow, Monday. Well, that and that may <laughs> that may lead to the miracle. Um, we we need some common sense. We need everyone to back off, and I think we basically need people to say it's a pluralist society. Mm. Not everyone is going to agree with me. Not everyone has to agree with me. I do not have to force my views on everyone else in the society. Yes, the basic identity of everyone needs to be respected, but we do not all have to agree and we do not have to try to intimidate other people by threat of lawsuit into agreeing with my views. That, that's, that's the basic point. We all need to just back off that idea that we can somehow impose our views on others. I hope and pray that that is the outcome that we uh, achieve. So thank you for helping explain that to us tonight, Mark, and all the best with what you do with the, with the I4CS, Institute for Civil Society. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. If your uh, listeners want to hear more, go to our website, www.i4, that's the numeral for i4cs.com.au, or look us up on Facebook under Institute for Civil Society. Mark Sneddon is the executive director of that organisation, Institute for Civil Society. Well, look, the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty telling in the federal parliament. No one wants to go to Christmas with this issue unresolved. And you saw what a political hot potato, amongst other things, it was during the Wentworth by-election. And you've heard, you've heard me, I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm, I'm as cranky as all get out that the government did not release the Ruddock report in a timely fashion at the start of the year. So we could have this discussion in the cool light of day rather than in the heat of by-election campaigns, rushing to the end of the year with misinformation out there because part of the report was selectively leaked and someone leapt on it and made an issue of something that was not happening on the ground. I'm, I'm cranky as a cut snake about all that. And I'd like to see our politicians resolve that. If you, if you care about this issue, hop on Mark's website, Institute for Civil 
society or go to any other organisations in this field and have a look at what they're asking you to do and consider contacting your own local member. Look, this is very interesting. You know, the Human Rights Commission uh, looks at these matters and makes reports to government about matters from time to time, and it's had its own chequered history. But interestingly, the Human Rights Commission also made a submission to this Senate inquiry that we were just talking about. And this is what the Human Rights Commission under its new commissioner, Rosalind Croucher, says. I'll tell you why that's significant in a minute. Rosalind Croucher, the head of the Human Rights Commission, was on the Ruddick Review. This report we haven't seen. Some really sensible people were on the Ruddick Review. Let's get the report out there and and let these experts who poured over the evidence and applied their fine minds to it, let's let them inform the debate. But the government won't do that for some reason I fail to understand. Amongst other things, it says this. As a matter of general principle, the Commission makes the following points in relation to the protection of religious freedoms and the current exemptions in the Sex Discrimination Act, so referring to the exemptions that let churches employ people of the faith, schools employ teachers of the faith. First, it says, human rights are universal, inalienable, indivisible, interdependent and interrelated. Care must be taken to accommodate human rights wherever they come into tension. This includes the right to freedom of religion and the right to be free from discrimination on the basis of sex, sexual orientation and gender identity. All right, so that's there's the balance. There's those two things that are held in tension. This is what the Human Rights Commission goes on to say. Secondly, federal law should be amended to include a general prohibition against discrimination on the basis of religion or other belief. Now, there isn't any such thing. This would help to incorporate important elements of Articles 18 and 26 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights into Australia's domestic law. That's helpful. It goes on to say, the Human Rights Commission, thirdly, consideration should be given to replacing the current exemptions to the SDA, and my brackets here, that's the controversial bits, with a general limitations clause. What would that mean? It goes on to say, the Human Rights Commission, a general limitations clause would clarify that conduct, which is necessary to achieve a legitimate objective, including freedom of religion, and is a proportionate means of achieving that objective, is not discrimination. Now, that's a sensible solution, and so is the one that Mark Snedden just gave us. You say, look, of course it makes perfectly good sense that a religious school is going to be able to employ people of the religion and teach teach people about the religion. Like, that's got to be some inalienable, as a matter of fact, it is, an inalienable right. And there are ways you can write the law that will just put that beyond doubt so that people won't keep having a go as they did against poor Archbishop Porteous in Tasmania. Oh, you've vilified me because you've said church teaching says marriage should be a man between a man and a woman. How does that vilify you? You may believe and do as you wish, but it doesn't vilify you to publish a teaching of the church in, in this case, it was a pamphlet about church teachings. It doesn't vilify you if people don't stand up and say, I want to incite hatred against you. That's what the word vilify actually means. So a bit of common sense needs to enter our parliament in the next two weeks, and we need to end this year well, get this issue put to bed, and all get on with our lives. By the way, I promised to tell you why it was really significant that the Human Rights Commission had gone the way it did in their submission. Rosalind Croucher, the head of the Human Rights Commission, was on the Ruddick Review. 
This report we haven't seen. Some really sensible people were on the Ruddock Review. Let's get the report out there and, and let these experts who poured over the evidence and applied their fine minds to it, let's let them inform the debate. But the government won't do that for some reason I fail to understand. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.